0: so now i have the pleasure of introducing one of our pastors caroline park she has a great message for us to share please welcome caroline thank you happy pride everyone yay so summer seems to be really here the school's out and case you haven't noticed, I'm sure you have noticed, the AC is not working. The school has turned off the AC and went home, it seems. The weather is boiling, and this is how the New York summer feels like, right? Like when you step into that subway train without the AC going, this is how it exactly feels. Right. Well, in terms of the liturgical calendar, summer coincides with a ordinary time. Ordinary time, uh, ordinary time comes after the long stretch of the special time, including Lent, Easter, and Eastertide, leading up to Pentecost, when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I like how we call this season uh, that follows the outpouring of the Holy Spirit ordinary, because I believe the, that the ordinary moments of life are filled with the Holy Spirit in her movement. This is our new normal since the Pentecost. Um, It's a season to grow and learn and love and live as we are led by the Spirit and as we carry the Spirit in us. And that is what uh, actually is happening in the book of Acts. We have been sharing stories from Acts Uh, Since the Pentecost, because it tells the story of the followers of Jesus after they received the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit came, the coming of the Holy Spirit changed everything. Um, Not only it changed people who were there who received the Holy Spirit individually. It also brought about larger changes. in in their society, cultural, societal, and political changes in the whole region. The landscape of their world started to change rapidly. And the early believers faced new situations at every turn, which forced them to think about the things they they never had to before. Sounds familiar? In a lot of ways, it's, it's a lot like today's world. Nowadays, it feels like um, the world is changing fast around us, and it's hard to keep up, and it isn't always easy to know how to respond to these changes. And I hope that today's story will have some insights that might help us in our today's society. The, today's story is centered around one of these big changes of their time. So after the Pentecost, more and more people start to follow Jesus, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And at first, all the believers were Jews. Jesus was Jew, a Jew, and all his friends were Jewish. So all the believers were Jews. But that very quickly changed. Very quickly, the good news spreads beyond the ethnic boundaries to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles, just as she did on the Jewish believers on Pentecost morning. And as more and more Gentiles follow, start to follow Jesus, the tension between these two groups of people start to build. And that's the context of today's story. So let me read today's passage from Acts 15. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way to Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immoralities, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So the church in Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were uh, ministering to, they include many Gentile, Gentile followers of Jesus. There are a lot of non-Jewish believers in their community, as well as Jewish believers, um, thanks to the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. It was a thriving and diverse community. Then some Jewish believers visit and preach to them that the Gentiles uh, believers, they need to be circumcised to be saved meaning they need to become a Jew to be accepted by God. This might sound very narrow-minded to us, but understanding given their context. Jewish followers of Jesus were still Jews. They did not consider Christianity to be a different religion than Judaism, but a part of it, at least in the beginning. They had lived all their lives with belief that following God meant following the Mosaic law. Circumcision was being marked as one of God's people. To them, loving God meant keeping the law that was established between God and God's people through Moses. And not only that, the Jewish law Uh, commanded them to live apart from other groups of people they were not to mingle with other races but now they are uh, the jewish followers of jesus they are faced with the decision not only to uh, whether to associate with the gentiles but to include them in their family of god to call them their brothers and sisters This was a difficult choice that went against their deeply ingrained identity as Jews. However, the Gentile believers did not have that kind of history. For them, circumcision had nothing to do with the new God they have found, no connection to their experience of the good news of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit they received. The demand to be circumcised was the demand to change who they were, to be saved and to be included. It meant that they were not good enough in God's eyes as they were. So you can see how this created the big tension in the early church. This was the theological debate of the time. It is also the age-old question, very familiar question, right? Who gets to be in? One reason the book of Acts is a fascinating read is that in so many ways it reflects what is happening right now in our culture. Who is good enough to be in? It's such an old, old question, which is playing out here and now in our culture. It goes on. It takes on different form and it targets different groups of people, but the same dynamic. So the apostles and the leaders meet together and listen to Paul and Barnabas and discuss whether to include the Gentile believers as they were or to require them to be circumcised. They debate and discuss for a long time and thankfully for us, The council makes the decision not to require the Gentiles to be circumcised and follow the Mosaic laws. They acknowledge that God has already welcomed them in by giving them the Holy Spirit. So they too should welcome the Gentiles into their community, into their church as they are. Well, mostly as they are, except for those four rules, which I'll come back to later. This was a remarkable decision. The decision to follow the Holy Spirit's leading into the complete unknown, leaving their sacred traditions, their whole belief system, so they could love a group of people that they didn't have to, that they're not related to, that their tradition told them to stay away from. They followed boldly, to the edge of where the Holy Spirit was leading them and became fully part of what God was doing. It is a really inspiring and amazing story, isn't it? And to me, it is even more amazing because truthfully, they don't seem to know what they're doing in the story reading the book of whole, whole book of Acts actually, I get the distinct impression that they are fumbling along, figuring out as they go, not really fully knowing. How can they know what they were doing? The world was rapidly changing and they were constantly being pushed into new situations, into the unknown. But they still had to decide how to respond to them, not knowing how to move forward and follow the spirit as best as they could. So they get some things right and they get some things wrong, make mistakes that have to be corrected later. It's the whole book of Acts. For example, in today's story, they didn't require the Gentiles to be circumcised but then told them to still keep four rules, right? Remember that from the story to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. It is remarkable that they eliminated all but four of the 613 commandments in the Bible. Yes, I Googled them. But the four rules they picked seem pretty random. There three out of the four rules are food laws. It's related to what they are supposed to not eat. And were they really the most important of all the law out of 613? I mean, like what happened to the 10 Commandments? And even these four rules, get promptly ignored by Paul, who was the main ally to the Gentile believers. He describes the same event in the story in his letter to the Galatians and says this. They, the apostles and the leaders, asked only one thing, that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. What happened to the four rules He doesn't even mention it. The apostles, the pillars of the church, early church, didn't fully know what they were doing. They were figuring out as they went. And that is perhaps unsettling to hear, but also very comforting. Because that's how I myself often feel. I don't know what I'm doing, even as I try my best to follow God. We sometimes think that this, this biblical era, the early church, was about miracles and powers and God's clear revelations. And the faithful followers, full of convictions, who knew what they were doing, they were just doing the right thing. But that's not actually what it was like. The Holy Spirit was moving and speaking like never before. Yes, true. But they still had to. The believers still had to decide what that exactly meant, all these things that are happening around them. And everyone had different ideas like we've seen in today's story. And things were not always neat or positive There were challenges and messiness and conflicts and breaks of relationships. And in the midst of all these complexities, they had to find their way forward. The Bible is a book about the people of God who are as flawed and imperfect as we are. In doing their best to follow and love God and love others. They didn't understand God and God's will perfectly. What they did and the decisions they made written in the Bible are not meant to be the perfect and final answers for all cultures and ages because they themselves were a work in progress. And the history was moving along. It was. It is only a snapshot. Rather, the Bible shows us that these great giants of faith also didn't know fully but chose to love and live anyway to follow God into the unknown. And it encourages and inspires us to do the same as we face our own set of confusing questions and complex challenges. We're supposed to not know fully we're supposed to be unsure. We're supposed to be thrown into situations that are way over our heads, but the but the Spirit still guides us. The Spirit leads us and teaches us in the midst of all that, and that is where we're transformed. At the very edge of the Spirit's movement, transformation doesn't happen in the comfort zone where we hide from difficult questions. Our life's longing doesn't get answered in the middle, but at the edge of where the spirit leads us. Yes, it's scary to leave the known known, and leap into the unknown. Because what if we get it wrong? What if that was not what God was saying? But Peter in the story reminds us that though we don't know fully, we can take risks and live boldly into the Holy Spirit's leading because we follow the gracious God. He says to the people gathered there, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Grace by definition is undeserved. Because if you deserve it, that's merit. It's not grace. It is not dependent on how good we are. God, we know, we follow is full of undeserved grace and unconditional love for us, like Charles talked about last week. Peter and his friends took risks and followed God, even though that meant that they were breaking their sacred law and leaving their tradition behind, because they knew that even if they were wrong about some things, God would be gracious, God would still be there for them, lead them and speak to them. God would still unconditionally love them. God's kingdom would still be open to them. If they believed that God was harsh or exacting, punishing all people's mistakes into eternity, it would have been hard to depart from their tradition and break the law because the cost of making a wrong decision would just be too high. And I bet a lot of us can relate to that fear. The Gentile inclusion was the core theological issue in the early church. And our version of it is the LGBTQ inclusion debate, which interestingly today is the Pride Parade. And I myself had to wrestle with this question for a while to come to the conclusion that what started in the book of Acts, what we've seen today, the Spirit's movement to include and bring all people to Christ, continues on to this day including more and more groups of people that have been marginalized by the church, by the world. God has already poured out God's Holy Spirit onto our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and welcomed them into God's kingdom. That's what I believe, and that's what this church believes. And I've talked to many people who are perhaps drawn to this idea but still feels that they don't know for sure, that they can't go there yet because what if we're wrong? What if we're not reading the Bible right? What if we didn't get that right? What if we're doing something that's offensive to God? Well, do I know 100% sure that I'm right? Well, I'm only human. So how can I fully understand God? And what God is doing. Can anyone fully understand it all? But this doesn't stop me from moving forward to fully include and embrace and love because I know God would be gracious no matter what, even if I get something's wrong. God is not God is not expecting me to figure out everything perfectly, and that is not what the faith journey is about. We cannot wait until we're 100% sure before we can start to love others fully. If we did it, we may never get there. Sometimes we need to leap into the unknown, not knowing fully. And God has shown herself to be full of grace. He has shown us full of grace through Jesus, Emmanuel Jesus, who came to be with us and through the cross. We have God's undeserved grace for us. Isn't that the very foundation of our faith? Ironically, the idea of receiving undeserved grace sometimes makes us feel like we need to pay God back for it and deserve it somehow from now on, doing everything right and not messing up anymore. Some churches teach that. But that's not what our faith is about. Then I think the undeserved grace would be wasted, wasted on us. Rather, Let's lean into this grace and live boldly in love. Let's follow the gracious God into the very edge of her leading into the unknown, the new world. Because that is we will continuously find God. That is where our longings will be answered. That is where we will see ourselves truly That is where we will love and be loved fully. We're securely held in God's undeserved grace and unconditional love. So as I wrap up the talk here, I'd like us to spend some time reminding ourselves of this grace and love of God with a simple exercise, if you will go along with me. So to start this exercise, I would like us to think of an area in our life where you feel you're moving into the unknown. Are there areas in your life where you feel like you don't know what you're doing? I hope there are areas in your life (laughs) where you don't know what you're doing. where you don't know, um, uh, where you feel like you're moving into completely new um, situations. It could be theological or political issues like these people um, long time ago that you're wrestling with or parenting or career relationship related. So do you have an area in mind? where you feel like you don't know what you're doing. So let's close our eyes and go to that place. Go to that area where you feel overwhelmed in your mind. It might bring up some thoughts and feelings in you and let yourself feel them and have them. And now, invite the gracious God that we follow, the gracious God who loves you, into that place to stay with you. Talk with her. Just be with her. I'll give you a couple of minutes to stay in that space. And I encourage you to repeat this exercise often. Talk about what you're feeling in this space where you feel overwhelmed and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to respond to things. Talk about your thoughts. Talk about your fears. Talk about how you might respond in those situations. God is gracious. Let um, let, Let yourself see the situations you're in through God's eyes, God's gracious eyes. And you might have the peace to know how to move forward and love and take risks and lean boldly into the unknown and still follow God. You can journal if you like to, if, if you're a kind of person who journal, who like to journal instead of doing it in your mind. But I feel that um, having the image of God in us who is gracious and forgiving, who is our friend, who is always for us, will change everything about our life, how we live and how we love and how we interact with each other. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your grace that we do not deserve. Thank you for your love that's unconditionally given. And as we um, admit that we don't always know what we're doing, that we often feel overwhelmed uh, in this world, and we don't know how to respond to different situations. with There's so much compl- complexities so many nuances that we just can't figure all out and do the perfect thing all the time. Help us to relax about doing the right thing. Help us to relax about getting everything perfectly right. But help us to receive the undeserved grace fully and lean into that. And be, um, just be grateful for that and be proud of that, proud of being your child. So come even now, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Let us receive from you. Let us see you where you're leading. Let us go get closer to the edge of your movement. And I pray that in that process that we will be changed, we will be transformed, that we will become the people who can receive grace and who can give grace to others, who can love and be loved fully. In Jesus' name, amen.